Welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shalene Johnson, and I am so lucky that you're here. I honor and I treasure the time that you spend with me, and I never take it for granted. This podcast, this episode, I've devoted to those of you who responded to me about my last episode, which is all about the number one question you need to ask as a successful business person. And if you haven't yet listened to that episode, oh, I hate to do this to you, but I think it's to your benefit. I really do. Put this one on pause and download the episode just before this one, which is really important. This episode is going to make so much more sense if you listen to that episode. But assuming that you are a tried and true lifer and you've already listened to that episode, this one is really devoted to those of you who are like, dude, I get it. Trust me. I delegate and it's not working. It's costing me money. It's costing me more time. It's frustrating. And it's, ah, it's driving me crazy because I keep finding people to do things for me, but it's not working out. Don't worry, I got you. Welcome to Build Your Tribe with your host, Shalene Johnson. Let me begin by just saying thank you. Thank you for reaching out to me in social media. I read many of your comments on Instagram. Also reading the reviews on Build Your Tribe. Like that's the first thing I do before I start recording so I can feel and hear and read the most current reviews on the latest episode. Not only that, I also heard from a couple of close friends who fall into the same category as many of you. And that is, they get it. They're delegating. They're down with that program. They want to do less. However, to this point, it's just not going smoothly. And I'm talking about people who have actually gone through the Virtual Business Academy. Now, this is not a plug for the Virtual Business Academy, but rather I need to kind of explain what I mean there. So knowing that so many people struggle with finding the right people to add to their team, knowing how and where to hire consultants and when and where you should actually bring on permanent staff members, whether they're consultants or employees, being able to evaluate which is more beneficial to you, which one is going to save you money, which one's going to save you time, how to find people, where to find people, how to pay consultants, how to structure their workflow so that it doesn't become cumbersome. All of that is in the Virtual Business Academy. Again, I'm not telling you that as a plug. I'm telling you that so that you understand, especially if you've gone through the Virtual Business Academy, you might still be in the same situation where you know where to find the people, you know how to hire them. Maybe you've had great success in finding people with the right skills and at a really reasonable price, but for whatever reason, it's still not working as well as it should be working. And in some cases, it's actually costing you money and becoming really frustrating. And Shalene, what am I doing wrong? I've followed everything that you've taught about delegating. I think I'm doing this right, but there must be something I'm missing. And I got enough of these messages that it made me realize I need to dig in a little deeper, actually do some interviewing and some intel, do some research and figure out what is it about these entrepreneurs who are delegating kind of as you think they should be doing it, but for whatever reason, it's not working out. And I'm so excited. You should be excited too, because the solution is so simple. This is a simple fix, and it begins with a healthy dose of self-awareness. So as I describe these individuals who have difficulty with the process of delegating, Ask yourself if some of these traits apply to you. Now, remember, I'm not referring to someone who has difficulty with the concept of delegating because that might be you. Like you might still be that person who thinks, well, I can't afford to delegate right now. It's just, you know, I got to grow my business to a certain level or, you know, when I make more money, that's when I'll finally figure out that I can delegate. 
Wrong, wrong, wrong. I've done 7,000, <laughs> not 7,000. I really exaggerate sometimes, don't I? Okay. I've done a lot of episodes on why that is actually a fallacy. Let's just bypass that and remember that specifically I'm speaking to those of you who have difficulty with the process of delegation, meaning you delegate, but somewhere along the line, things break down and it's so frustrating. You just want to rip your hair out and you find yourself continually having to pick up the pieces and find either somebody new to do this or do it yourself. And then when you do that, it takes you away from the thing that actually moves your business forward, the thing that makes your business money, the thing that only you can do. And you don't want to do everybody else's work, but it's so frustrating because, dang it, these people just keep disappointing you or letting you down or disappearing or whatever it is, or charging you too much money. If the process of delegating and outsourcing the things that you need to do keeps breaking down, I want you to listen to what I'm about to describe as the type of entrepreneur who falls into this category and see if it describes you. Number one, you're fearless. Like you're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to try things. You'll be the first to say, well, I don't know a lot about it, but I'll do some research. I'm going to go for it. You tend to be very impatient. Once you've set your heart and mind and your soul on a goal, there's no stopping you. You can't sleep. You're going to go, 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 go until it gets done. You're excited about it. You grab the bull by the horns. There's no hesitating. There's no analyzing. You just go for it. And you have your trusted advisors. You follow steps to the T. You are the quintessential mentee. So when you have a mentor and they suggest you do something, you're like, okay, let's do it. So you've had a lot of success, but routinely you find yourself back in this position where you're like, why is this so hard? Why is it other people are able to delegate to outsource and it seems like their team keeps growing and I feel like I'm constantly assembling a team, disassembling, taking those things on, reassembling, disassembling, taking those things on. You're constantly in that cycle. When you're in that cycle, what happens is your business and your productivity grinds to a halt. You also find that you feel very frustrated and angered and depleted because you're not able to do that thing, that thing that like only you can do, that thing that you're so good at. And you start to get really angry, almost, I don't want to say bitter, but you know, you start to feel sorry for yourself too. Like, why am I the only one who can figure this out? Start to feel sorry for yourself. And then what happens because business has slowed, productivity has slowed, you doing the things you need to do has been sidetracked by having to do something you'd already previously delegated. Well, then your business really starts to feel it. And that's when desperation sets in, that panicked feeling like, I just have to have help. I can't do this myself. And when panic sets in, we're looking for someone to save the day. Now, because you, my fearless entrepreneur, that's what I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you my impatient, fearless entrepreneur. You believe that people can do the things that they say that they can do because, you know, that's how you are. You're not going to oversell yourself. You tell people what you can do and that's what you can do. And so you start searching for this person who can do some of the things that somehow landed back in your lap. And you start searching and lo and behold, you find someone. Now, I often will find that these fearless, impatient entrepreneurs fall in love with each consultant that they hire, with each new hire, with each new employee. They're like, I have found the holy grail. You're not going to believe this person. They're going to be able to take my business to the next level. And you immediately fall head over heels in love 
with all of the things that this new consultant slash employee slash whatever says that they can do for you. And you believe them because, you know, you wouldn't exaggerate what you can do. So why would this person? And then what you do is you kind of brush your hands off and you're like, okay, back to work. And you let that person or that team or that company dig in to the project that had been in your hands previously. Now, what happens when we do that is number one, we've set our expectations too high and that's, you know, no fault of your own, except that (laughs) when we set our expectations lower, we're often much happier with the outcome because we didn't have high expectations. Know that when most people are telling you they can do this, 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 and this, they probably can, but not the way you know how to do it. Nobody knows your customer, the way you want things written, the way you want things coded, the way you want your design to turn out, like whatever it is, like nobody truly, truly, truly gets it the way you get it, but they're left on their own because you waited till you're at a point when it was an emergency situation and you had to dig back into the thing that only you can do. And so you kind of have to like give them this project and then, you know, pull out your pom-poms, do a little cheer, hallelujah, you found someone to save the day, and then you run off to go do your thing again. Meanwhile, they typically haven't been trained properly, and you didn't even know they needed to be trained or supervised or to work with them for a period of time because they promoted themselves as the savior. You, on the other hand, dig back into your project, you're excited about it, You return to take a look at what's been done, or in many cases, hasn't been done, only to be frustrated, exacerbated, and depressed. Because with this person, and each time we hire someone, we typically think, well, get what you pay for. And, you know, I'm sure there's more qualified people out there. To take it to that next level, I'm going to really have to invest and spend more on the type of consultant that I'm looking for. Yeah, that's it. So I'm going to take the recommendation of another entrepreneur in my space who's used this individual and, you know, they're further along in their business and they're doing awesome. So it must be because of this consultant or this program or this company. So, you know, scared money don't make money. I'm going to lay down my coin and I'm going to pay for the best consultant, the best company, the best whatever it is and bring them onto my team to do this for me. And so what happens is each time we try to fix it again, we throw more money at the problem. And you see, that doesn't fix the problem. The problem is you fall in love too quickly. The challenge is not that you are fearless. It is in your level of patience. You've heard the phrase, patience is a virtue. And nowhere is it more true than when it comes to bringing on people. Okay, so if that describes you, if you've been in this situation more than once, you've hired consultants, you've hired full-time people, you've hired employees, you've worked with agencies, and each and every time you feel like, what is the deal? How come I keep getting burned? The problem isn't with the companies. It isn't even with your judgment. It's in the process of delegating. It's in the process of outsourcing. So let me give you a few tips that perhaps you've overlooked. Number one, yes, start with recommendations. When we're talking about key hires, the consultants that can take your business to the next level, there is nothing more valuable than a referral. But don't just ask for the good stuff. Ask for the negatives, those things that went wrong with a previous consultant. Ask if they had experiences that were similar. 
ask the person who's giving you a referral or the recommendation if they can tell you what was challenging about working with this person. What were some of their shortcomings? If you could change one thing about them, what would it be? What, if any, disputes or challenges did you have in working with them? How are they at communicating? How good are they about managing themselves, staying self-motivated, and how often did you have to check in with them? Are you still using them? If not, who are you using now and why did you switch? Do you know anyone else who's used this consultant or this company or this person that we're looking at? Also ask them, knowing me and knowing the way I work and my personality, do you think that we would be a good fit? And if not, why? Tip number two, fall in love slowly. My fearless, impatient entrepreneurs, you have another trait that's quite admirable, and it is honesty. You are one of those people who you have integrity. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Therefore, when you meet someone who has a bright and shiny resume or somebody else says they're amazing, you fall in love so fast. You're like, this is it. Yay, I found the person. And you stop looking for anyone else or anything else. You stop looking for red flags. You are so desperate to have the situation remedied for that fix. So you can return to doing the thing that you love, the thing that you're good at, the thing that makes your business money. You're so in this desperate moment and you're so trusting that when you meet this person, this new shiny opportunity to get some things done, you immediately fall in love and you think you've found the solution. The person is going to take over your company and take you to the next level and skyrocket your business. And we put blinders on. Yeah, they provided a list of referrals and recommendations, but you know, I mean, they came across so honest on the phone and in your interview that uh, do we really need to call these references? I mean, person seems legit. And by the way, Mike loved him. So I think we found our person. And we get really excited and we don't do our due diligence. And sometimes there's some little red flags, like that chunk of time that's missing between jobs, or maybe an answer that didn't quite sit right with you during your interview process, or just a vibe, like you didn't exactly gel with them. You didn't click. But their experience and their resume and what they told you they could do is like so exciting that you're like, yeah, we didn't really click, but I mean, do we really need to be besties? You don't need to be besties, but this is where the emotional intelligence of an entrepreneur sets us apart. And the only way that we can tap into our own emotional intelligence is by slowing down, which is why you never want to make this hire in a moment of desperation. You've got to be patient so that you can be aware, like really aware. Why did you feel uncomfortable with this person? What about that red flag? Should you look further? Should you dig a little deeper? Should you, instead of avoiding that uncomfortable question that you had when you were interviewing them or talking to them, instead of avoiding it, spending a couple days thinking about it and then going back and asking that question and a few others so that you really have a sense that this is the right person. I can't stress to you enough the significance of finding good people, honest people, people who have a heart, who are humble, who want to learn, who want to grow, who want the best for you, people who are servants. And by servants, I mean servants of God, servants to other people. I consider myself a servant. I want to take care and serve other people. 
when we hire simply based on experience, resume, and skill, we will often overlook the fact that this person lacks the mindset of a servant. And remember, by servant, I don't mean someone who's subservient, someone who is beneath everyone, but rather someone whose heart and mindset tends towards taking care of people, finding a way to make things right. And those people typically are more humble. They're easier to work with. They want to please. They want to take care of the problem. They want ownership. They want to fix things. They want to be better. They want others to be better. And my gosh, I can't think of better qualities for you to have in your business. Now, because of that, it's imperative that you develop the mindset of a servant leader. A servant leader wants to lift others up. He or she, you, are aware that we're humans, which means we all come with shortcomings. We come with trauma. We come with sadness. We come with things in our past and our experiences that affect our work. And when we know that, we realize that there's empathy involved in finding the right people. That's not to say that you want to hire people who are a basket case or always have problems. It is to say that as a servant leader, you have to have a level of emotional intelligence and empathy that makes people feel connected to you, that makes people want to do more for you, not because of a paycheck. People don't work for a paycheck. We work because we want to feel important. We want to feel like we belong. We want to feel noticed. We want to be recognized. A leader who has that servant mindset, an entrepreneur with a servant mindset, will look for others who have these same traits. Just a few days ago, I was on a call with my brother, my brother Bill. I know you guys hear me talk about my sister Janelle often, but I have a younger brother. He's the youngest of the three of us. I'm the oldest. And my brother Bill is also an entrepreneur. He recently bought a motorcycle manufacturing company. He's also a liquidator. So he buys companies when they're going out of business, buys them out of bankruptcy court, sometimes big chains of businesses or pieces of a chain. But in this instance, he bought a motorcycle factory which meant that there are tons and tons of employees and it was kind of a mess and in shambles when he purchased it and he's going to turn it around. But while we were talking, he was sharing with me what a rough day it was because he had to let somebody go, you know, and it's never easy to fire somebody. I told him, do you know, we've only ever fired one person, one person in the 20 years that Brett and I have been in business. And I can tell you this without exception, anyone that we've hired over the course of the last 20 years, would still be a guest in her home for dinner. Majority of them have gone on to start their own businesses. A few of them have become millionaires. And these are past employees. They're people who I love, people who I, you know, call on their birthdays and think of them on holidays and just reach out to them because I love them and I care for them. Because we always hired for the person first. Of course, we needed to make sure that they had the skills that we were looking for in that particular situation. But if they didn't have all the skills, that was to be expected. Your next hire is not going to have all the skills that you hired them for. They just won't. But if they're a good person, if they meet all those other qualifications, if they're humble and kind and they want things to go well and they care about the team and they care about the direction, you will figure out new talents and skills, things that you didn't even realize they could do that can go on their plate in place of the things that they said that they could do that they really can't do. And you're going to find somebody else who is of the right heart and the right mindset to do those things. And you see, this takes patience. Hire slowly. Hire slow. 
In fact, don't hire somebody. Give someone an assignment. Offer them a consulting fee. Give them a few projects and pay them per project. Tell them it's a temporary opportunity that you'd hope someday could turn into something full-time. That way you have the ability to kind of assess what are they like? What skills do they have? And again, this is really that time, that opportunity where you're trying to figure out who is this person? Because if you really like the person and they really have the right heart, they are going to work so much harder for you. You will be so much happier. And I just, I don't know. I just think God kind of takes care of us when we keep bringing the right people into our lives. I also think that when we bring people into our business who've got the right skills, the right experience, but we also know that they're jerks or that they are liars or that they don't treat their family well or that they have this other side of them that is, it's not right. Like there's a difference between right and wrong. And we know that this person does some things that are not right. And you bring that person into your business. That's not being a smart entrepreneur. That's being greedy. And when you do that, you're placing too low of a value on your quality of life. Because when you have negative people around you, when you have people around you who can do others wrong, you're next. I mean, it won't be long before something happens to you or your employees or your customers. It's only a matter of time before that zebra will show its stripes. And one bad apple infects the bunch. Tip number three, outsource and delegate in slivers. Now, those of you who are virtual business academy students who have fallen into this trap of the entrepreneur who is fearless and impatient, you'll remember this lesson where I spoke to you about the importance of just delegating one little teeny tiny piece at a time. A lot of us resist that advice because we feel like, well, geez, I'm paying them for 30 hours or 40 hours. I want to give them 40 hours worth of work. No, that's not what we're going to do. What you want to do in order to be successful at this process is delegate one sliver at a time. And while that might feel like a waste of money to you because you're paying this person for so much more, what will happen is you will one task at a time figure out what they actually can do and what they can't do, what things they need more direction, more insight, more training so that they will eventually catch on and what things they excel at. You will also understand what their true talents and skills are. You see, because I don't care who it is that you're interviewing, they almost always, I don't even know if they're trying to fluff up their own resume or overhype their abilities or skills, or maybe they just think that they are more capable than they truly are and they believe that. The bottom line is no one is going to do it exactly as you want it done. So giving them 50 things at once makes it impossible for you to truly evaluate where they're strong and where they're weak. So let's just assume that I've hired somebody 40 hours a week to do all of my social media management. And I'm paying them full time because that's what I need to pay them on week one in order to secure them and, and make sure that they're just working for me. I don't, I don't want them on the market so somebody else could scoop them up. In that first week, I would simply give them the most minor basic of tasks, the very beginning tasks that might only take them a total of five or six hours, even though I'm paying them for 40. Because it's going to cost me so much more to give them 40 hours worth of work and then correct and go through 40 hours worth of work to find out that 20 of those hours they're really not good at. And that's going to cost me more money. And likely this is where you get frustrated and you let go of the person or you fire them or you throw in the towel and say, I just can't find someone. You tried to give them too much. 
If you want to save yourself time and money, you have to believe me. I ask you for your trust and faith in the process of one sliver at a time. Think about when you were a new hire at a big company. On day one, the first week of your employment, I'll just bet you thought to yourself, well, this is a pretty cushy job. I am barely doing anything. I hope it gets more exciting. And then by the time you actually gave your notice, you were doing so much work. But if they'd given you all of those responsibilities on day one, you probably would have quit day one. Or at a minimum, you would have done a pretty lousy job. They would have been disappointed with your abilities and you likely would have been fired. One sliver at a time. And this will allow you to evaluate each sliver. Once they've mastered that individual task, then we add on the next task. Now what we're evaluating is, can they maintain their quality of work while doing task one and task two? And I'm simplifying this description. So, you know, maybe it's three tasks or four tasks, but it's, it's really a small amount that makes it easy for you to evaluate their work and easy for you to add on the next piece. As you continue to add on pieces, all of which were things they told you initially they could do, you will soon know with certainty what things they do well, what things really need your touch, more training, more hands-on, or which things they really aren't capable of doing. In which case, I still think it's a very rare instance where you need to get rid of that person or replace them. In most instances, if you have gone through sliver by sliver, piece by piece of all the things they're capable of doing, and you find certain things they aren't able to do, you take those pieces off their plate and you find somebody else to do those things. And because you're working with this person so closely in these initial stages, what's going to happen that's going to even all of this out is you're going to find areas, tasks, skills that they have that they didn't even bring up to you, that they weren't even aware of. And those are going to balance out the things that you thought they could do in most cases. You see, whether it's a consultant or an employee or an agency, you're still working with people. They're not robots. There's so much that's open to interpretation. Like when someone says they can do something and do it really well, in their mind, they might think they are doing it really well. It's not until we actually work with someone and understand their true abilities and how they match up to your expectations that we're able to make an assessment on whether or not this person can be trained, or if in fact we have to outsource those responsibilities to someone else, and worst case scenario, very rare, is get rid of the person altogether. My last tip is really inspired by a book that I try to read at least once a year. It's called Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by Jeff Sutherland. Now, I originally read this book when we had our bigger company with more employees, Powder Blue Productions, and it really was a game changer for us. It's just, gosh, it's just amazing. And the book, I think, is more so written for those who work in a corporate environment. And let me tell you, if you work in a corporation where you've got meetings on top of meetings scheduled to review the last meeting you had so that you can schedule the next meeting to figure out what happened in the last meeting and there's so many departments and approvals, and sometimes it feels like you're being held down by the weight of a bureaucratic system. Your boss, your CEO must read this book. This book is amazing. It really just teaches you how to cut through all of that, use people's best skills and talents, and just get things done in half the amount of time. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. But one of the principles that stayed with me long after we sold Powder Blue Productions and we're no longer working with 
you know, a huge team of people and consultants. Now we have a very small team, but the principles still apply. This one very important principle for me, and that is as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, once we start delegating and outsourcing, you have to be very careful not to let go until the project is done. We get this mindset, especially if you are that fearless, impatient entrepreneur, we want to quickly find that person to do that thing, give it to them, and then, you know, go back to creating. We love creating. We're just loaded with ideas. We have so many ideas. We just need to hire a big enough team fast enough to implement all of our ideas so we can start making money. Well, the principles in Scrum would have you and have me very focused on not moving on to my next brilliant idea until this one is done. And done isn't defined by me simply getting the content created or the idea filmed or the product created. It is done once it's all the way done. Meaning not only have I developed a product, but I've also had a hand in writing the copy, reviewing everything that goes through all of the funnels, if you will, email chains, sales page, conversion. And if one of those pieces isn't working, then the project isn't done. And I can't leave this project until the project is done. I define done as it's converting, it's working. Now we can pretty much set it, forget it, come back and check it. I never like to say set it, forget it, and leave it at forget it. Because, you know, eventually all things change, especially in social media, in business. You've got to go back and check it, right? So you can set it, forget it, go back and check it. But I can't move on to the next project, which is a real temptation because you're so flipping creative, right? Like you've got so many ideas and all these different things and you see other people doing these things and you're like, man, that was my idea. I better hurry and do this. And I heard somebody talking about such and such and I was thinking about that too. I better jump on that. Well, you can, but not until the thing that you're working on right now is done. And by done, I mean you have had your hands at some point in each piece of the process. Yes, somebody else might be designing the layout for your sales page, but it's only you that like really knows your target audience. Only you know the guy or the girl who you're trying to reach. And you know, you know how they want things laid out. You know what they want the buttons to look like because most of the time we're marketing to somebody who's a lot like us. So we know what they like and what they don't like. We know how big they like fonts and how they want things packaged and convenience and all of those things. When we turn those over to an expert who doesn't have our brain, our mind, our DNA, they might be good at all of the technicalities, but it's that je ne sais quoi, that intangible piece, that thing that makes things special because you're a part of it. That thing that makes it unique and different from everyone else. And it's your special approach to things that really makes everything work the way it's supposed to work. Every day when I wake up, about 20 ideas for new things I want to create to solve problems for you every day. And I have to stop myself. And as excited as I am about this idea that's going to help so many people, I have to put it on paper and save it because I have until such time that the project I'm working on is done, done by definition, profitable, converting. And I don't care what expert you hire. An example, one of our students in the Marketing Impact Academy wrote to me an email explaining how she was so excited that she had gone through the Marketing Impact Academy step by step by step. She had determined her lifers. She had created and tested a beta product. She had developed an online academy. She was creating sales and making money. 
And then while building her funnel, she decided to do a webinar. Webinars are awesome. And, you know, once you figure out how to run the Facebook ads, which she also learned how to do in the Marketing Impact Academy, she was then running Facebook ads to this webinar. The webinar was converting and she was getting sales basically while she was sleeping to her online academy. And the sales were going great. And then shortly thereafter, I got a follow-up email that said, can you please help? For whatever reason, sales have gone to a zero, like a zero. And so, of course, my quick reply was, well, check the links because it doesn't make sense. You've gone to a zero. That just doesn't even make sense. And she said, I've hired this Facebook team and they're running ads like crazy and it's costing me a fortune and we're not getting any sales. Our temptation as entrepreneurs who are fearless and impatient is to simply go back to the people who we hired to do their job and say, why isn't this working? And then we go around and around and they say, well, I don't know. It's just not converting. Maybe you need to create a new webinar. That's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is to investigate and to go through the process step-by-step as your client. So I recommended to her to do exactly that. Register for the webinar yourself as if you have no idea what to expect. And then experience it as someone who has no clue and has never done a webinar before. How clear was it? Did you receive a reminder? Did the links work? Once the webinar started, where did they lose your interest? What was happening? All of these things. Is the webinar too long? Is there a malfunction in the webinar? Well, lo and behold, what had happened is a new version of the webinar, in other words, a new video format that was the webinar previously recorded, had been replaced with the wrong version. In the wrong version, the webinar starts and then abruptly cut out after about four or five minutes. Now, no one's going to care enough about this the way you will. And it doesn't do any good to throw our hands up in the air and get angry and fire the company if they had this thing working for you in the past and their Facebook ads were converting. The right thing to do is to figure out how this happened, how we can avoid it in the future, and to fix it. Don't move on to the next project until this one is done. It's converting. Then you set it, forget it, and come back and check it. You have to evaluate your numbers. You have to see what's working and how it can be improved. Even with all of our opt-ins, so we have opt-ins for, you know, probably 50 different freemiums. And the ones that are working work. And then when I go back and check them, I, and it's important that I do that, I'll go back and check them maybe six months later and we'll find that one of them isn't working. Well, I've got to figure out why isn't that converting? And I know my client. I know my girl. I know my customer. And if I can look at the page and say, well, this is outdated and this is the wrong photo and based on what's happening in the industry and how the mindset is changing of the online entrepreneur, I can see where this opt-in page is no longer attractive. And that's my job because again, it's that je ne sais quoi, that thing you can't exactly put your finger on it, but you know your target audience. You know your lifer because you are a lifer. The reason why when I'm sharing this time with you, It probably feels like sometimes I'm sitting across the table from you and we're like enjoying a cup of coffee and it's very intimate and very personal is because I'm talking to you the way I would talk to a friend. I approach this podcast and what I teach, not from the position of an expert way up here, but from the position of somebody who's in the trenches with you. And maybe my head's up above the crowd just a little bit more. Maybe I have a little bit better view or vantage point, but I'm still part of this tribe. And you have to remember that that's the best way to serve your community and to check every single piece of the puzzle 
funnel, whatever it is you want to call it, the process, the sales experience, all of that. Like you have experts who are going to execute all of these things, but it's ultimately you who kind of needs to oversee things until everyone gets it right. And then don't forget to come back and check it. And lastly, this is a bonus tip. Make people feel appreciated. You know, set your expectations lower. Be blown away when people do a decent job. Don't expect excellence. Be surprised by excellence. Be blown away by excellence. But people are human. Humans are human. You know, if we set our expectations a little bit lower and we spend more time appreciating and honoring and recognizing and thanking our team for what they do, we're going to get so much more out of it. Entrepreneurs, I hope that you found this incredibly helpful, insightful, and especially for those of you who have just a touch of impatience, I hope that you will take it to heart. And thank you to each one of you who responded to me and replied and wrote a review about my last podcast here on Build Your Tribe. Share this with someone who you happen to know is struggling with the process, not the idea, the process of delegating. It just, they keep hitting a snag. I'll bet you a hundred bucks we can shake on it that this will be their solution. Lifers, it is my goal to be brief, to be bright, to make it fun and then be done. So you know it, we are done. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and, and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it. All of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, all you have to do is while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337. And that is for U.S. residents then just send me the word confidence and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. Every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video where I teach you step-by-step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you want to be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips.